when I came back from Argentina, I had gained so much weight. And as I started losing weight, I realized, hey, man, these supplement companies are ripping us off. We got to do something about it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today, I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Saul Orwell, who's the founder of examine.com and he runs a host of other projects as well that we're going to talk about. Saul, how's it going? Man, pretty good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, we'll do this as quickly as possible. So uh, I'm an immigrant. I was born in Pakistan, moved to Saudi Arabia when I was two. Between the age of seven and nine, I was in Japan, moved back to Saudi Arabia. At 14, I did eighth grade in Houston, then immigrated to Canada. So I did high school here. I did engineering at University of Toronto, um, and then I retired. And and I'll explain that in a uh, split second. Uh, I spent five years in the States and Argentina. We're talking about like Phoenix, New York, LA, all over. And then seven years ago, I came back to Canada. So what happened was while I was in high school, um, super shy, got into online gaming. And by mistake in that context, I uh, stumbled into virtual currency and MMO sales. Uh, honestly, dude, that's the most money I've ever made in my life was in the early 2000s. Those were the good, good heydays when you could just buy a link on any site and you rank and once a month Google that update, boom, straight to the top you go. So I did virtual currency for a while. Uh, and then I just started dabbling, man. I got into domains for a while, domain names. Um, I did local search before Google Maps even existed. And what happened was local search and virtual currency both did really well for me. So I put my number two in charge. And the reason I mentioned that entire immigration stuff was uh, to me, it's always been about independence, right? Being able to do what I want. I was never interested in growing more, growing more, growing more. How can I become more famous? Nobody knew who I was. Everyone knew who uh, the guys who ran my companies, but nobody knew who I was. I'm so independent, I legally changed my full name. Like the idea that I didn't get to choose my own name was preposterous to me. <laughs> so that's why I bummed around for five years. And the only reason I even got active again was when I came back from Argentina, I had gained so much weight. And as I started losing weight, I realized, hey, man, these supplement companies are ripping us off. We got to do something about it. So in fact, actually, in in just two weeks, uh, examine.com, which is what I created after I got back, we turned six years old. We get two million visitors a month. And basically, we just analyze scientific research around nutrition and supplements. And then lastly, about 18 months ago, I kind of got into speaking about entrepreneurship over at sjo.com. But a big thing for me is, you know, a lot of these guys, they do it for coaching or consulting. I don't do any of that. Uh, or they start doing their courses. I don't do any of that. For me, it's more like it's nice to have an outlet. Uh, it's nice to have an impact, and people know what the relationship is between me and my audience. Um, and so I've just kind of been plugging in a way of that, and it's been a lot of fun. Got it. Okay, awesome, man. And there's so much to unpack around that. That that yeah. you know, I'm going to start with examine first. We're going to dive into the other stuff. Sure. So examine, you got it to two million visitors a month. I mean, what revenues at your high point? What, what were you guys getting annual revenues? So the interesting thing about examine.com, if you look at the internet marketing space, pretty much you're doing a new product every every six months or every year. 
we haven't done a new product in, I think, two and a half years. So you could argue that our revenue, quote unquote, spiked back then. But our biggest focus has been how can we be evergreen? How can we be constantly generating revenue? So we're collecting, I think, roughly a thousand emails a day. Um, and we're now pushing them through, you know, our different references. So uh, in terms of revenue, we're in like the low seven figures. But as we develop now, we finally have maybe one new product coming out this year, maybe two. Uh, revenue should start spiking. Our biggest focus has always been on how do we build up our brand? So beyond just, you know, most guys, like when you're in one niche, you, you only you only get published in one niche, right? So if you're in fitness, you only get published in men's uh, men's health, men's fitness, stuff like that. Whereas we've broken it. We've been in Mother Jones, in New York Times, in Time Magazine, BBC, stuff like that. So that was our bigger focus. And once you've built that equity, then you can, you know, ramp it up. Yeah, and the hardest thing is building up the, the brand first, right? Once you have the audience, you can decide what you want to sell, which is what you guys did. You guys built some yeah. of your products, or I think all of your products are based off of serving first, right? Can you talk about that? Yeah. So we were around for a while. So I mean, I already had money. So it was, it was like a worthwhile thing to test and experiment with. Uh, so for example, the domain alone cost me 42000 And a lot of people think, oh man, like that's a big amount to put in for something you don't know that's going to work. But the reality is the domain name is an asset, Right. So worst case, I could have sold it for thirty thousand dollars within 24 hours. So it was a worthwhile risk. And so we plugged away and I think two and a half years and the numbers may be slightly off. But I think we're at maybe like 10,000 unique visitors a day. Uh, and we basically asked people, like, what do you want? And the number one thing that we got back at the time was, hey, man, we want like your supplement reference, your information in just like this one easy way for us to have. And after we released that, we asked people, what do you want next? Or what would, what do you wish we solve? That's what we always ask. What do you wish we solve? Uh, and then the next thing they said was, hey, listen, you know, you have all the scientific information. There's all this nerd speak, but I don't know what to do with it. My mom doesn't know what to do with it. Just tell me what to take. So we built up our, our guides. And then finally, when we asked again, like, what do you wish we could help you with? Uh, we had a lot of professionals come and say to us, hey, listen, you know, research is important, but there's no way we can keep up with it. Can you help us with it? And so that's actually been our biggest driver is we, we were able to generate a subscription service out of it. We team up with other uh, exercise organizations, with gyms. Uh, we offer it to their members or their trainers. Um, so it's been a really nice boon for us right there. You guys built your business off of Reddit first, right? Yeah. So uh, I've been on Reddit now for over 10 years uh, and I met my co-founder there. <clears throat> and basically what happened was, so, you know, as I started losing weight, I got into Reddit fitness. And for those who don't know what Reddit is, it's basically like the world's largest message board system. And there's a section for any topic you can imagine. So I'm hanging around in fitness, and what would inevitably happen is nobody ever uses a search function, right? Anyone who's ever used the forum knows no one ever searches. They always just ask a damn question. So every single day, someone would be like, hey, man, is creatine bad for my kidneys? Or, hey, you know, how much protein can I take? And people would get tired of responding to the same damn question over and over. And this is before Reddit uh, built in their FAQ system. And so that's kind of where the original spark came from was, listen, people keep asking the same question. Some people put in all this effort. They, they bust out the latest studies. And then the next time someone you know, asks the same question, they just, they just can't be bothered to do it again. So why not build a repository? So that's kind of how we got our start. That's where the original idea, the genesis came from. And so Reddit's always been very really supportive in that context, not even just uh, like, so my co-founder was actually up for moderator of the year, and this is like in 2013. And he actually lost to the Ask Science team, which is garbage, man. Yeah, like that, that's a team. You can't do moderator of the year to a team. Anyway, uh, so like he was very active. It went very well. And because we were so focused on just looking at the research and not selling coaching or any of that garbage, uh, it came across really, really well. 
So what were you guys doing exactly on Reddit? Were you putting your links out there or were people, what was going on exactly? Because, you know, they would usually rip you up if you're trying to push your own stuff, right? Yeah. So we, we just told people we're doing this website. Um, and what naturally happened immediately was people just started linking to us nonstop. So part of the, the problem with Reddit is people try to push their stuff or they're not part of the community. They come in, they drop their links and they leave. But because we were part of the community, everyone knew who he was. Everyone knew who I was. When we said we're doing this project examine.com, they didn't think, oh, these guys are on Reddit just to spam us, right? We both had like 100,000 plus karma. We'd been around for a long time. So it was a very symbiotic thing. So if someone asked for creatine and we put down a link, no one complained. But inevitably what happened was when somebody would ask for, about creatine, someone else would put a link before even we had a chance to do it. So it was one of those things where we solved the problem they needed and the job that needed to be done, we did it for them. So they were more than happy to spread the love to us. It's interesting because you talked about, you know, building a brand up first, but in, in a sense, you know, you and your co-founder were building up a brand slash community within Reddit, right? Yeah, well, we, we had a reputation, right? We, we wrote our reputation to wherever we could. And what's hilarious now is like, I post frequently in Reddit Entrepreneur, for example, and my username is my old my old legal name, so it has nothing to do with Saul or, or anything like that. And so occasionally people will be like, hey man, what have you done or what have you built? And I'll, and I'll mention examine.com and man, people get seriously excited about it. They're like, oh, I love your site. I found it on Reddit. I had no idea you were a Redditor. So it's even once it eventually it reaches that stage where everyone has spread it so much that people don't even associate you with it anymore. They just associate Reddit with it or they just spread the word uh, for you. From an SEO perspective, I mean, you guys do epic content. You know, it's evergreen. And I just Googled right here, creatine, and you guys are ranking yeah. number five for it. So how are you guys ranking for all these crazy keywords? So, I mean, it's two things. One, too many people are just so focused on content generation when that's never been the problem. There's so much damn content on the internet that no one is impressed by you generating new content. So similar to kind of like what uh, Brian Dean does with Backlinko, we're far more focused on updating our existing content than always pushing out new stuff. And so what happens is let's say every six months we update creatine. We add another 30 references, another 50 references. Instead of generating backlinks to this new page on creatine, it's all going the same damn page. The other thing in, that, that I talk a lot about is, you know, networking and relationships have generated us more links than anything else even imaginable, right? So uh, I know the editor-in-chief, for example, of men's fitness and of men's health and muscle and fitness, and even outside of that, like Entrepreneur Magazine. And it all happened because we reached out to them, we built up these relationships, and now they're more than happy to send links to us, right? So we came in and we said, hey, listen, we can help you clean up with your supplement section, or we can be your expert source. Let me know how we can help. And this took years, right? Like, but it was real relationships. It was real friendships. And and that just spans links forever and ever. And, you know, as authority rank comes into factor, you want to get uh, mentions and links from mainstream media and whatnot. So we've got those up the wazoo. So that was kind of the structure. And the last thing is, you know, we always pre-promote, similar again to what Brian Dean does. Anytime we have anything coming out, we'll research who's been talking about that topic. And we'll say, hey, listen, this is what we're generating. And what's kind of nice is once you got size, man, you just email your list and it just generates 50, 100 tweets and it just generates backlinks for you automatically. So it's a, it's one of those things that you work hard, but once you reach that momentum, man, it doesn't stop. Cool. So tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing examine.com. So actually the, the biggest struggle by far we had was who the hell are we? Right. So I'm a computer engineer. I didn't do any of the research because that's not my forte, but I'm a computer engineer. My co-founder was uh, had just finished his dietetics degree, which is for registered dietitian. And he was actually going to do his Ph.D. when I convinced him to join me. So a lot of people 
because there's so much garbage information out there, they're very cynical, right? They're like, you don't have a comma PhD, you don't have a comma MD or whatever. So that was our biggest challenge was proving to them that we're an authority. Um, and a lot of the ways we did it was, you know, we built these relationships. We showed, let's say, someone in men's health that were legitimate. So when we wrote an article on men's health, suddenly now we're a little bit more legitimate, right? Or we built up a board of advisory and suddenly someone sees, oh, X, Y, Z is on their board, uh, on their advisory board, they've got to be legitimate. So a lot of it at the beginning was just proving that we know our stuff. And part of the reason, actually, we did examine.com and not one of my name or, or my founder's name or even a company name like supplement.com, which, which my buddy owned, was we never wanted it to be about us, right? Once you build up a generic brand, which is definitely a lot harder than building up a personal brand, but once you build it up, it's a lot easier to sell. The authority of it is a lot stronger. So originally people would attack us all the time, but now nobody attacks us because examine.com, the brand, like when we do, when we did a hiring call last year, we had 500 plus PhDs apply to work with us. Like that's the strength of having uh, a generic brand. Yeah, so how does the machine work? I mean, what kind of team do you need to assemble to make Examine work? Is it what, editors, writers, how many, yeah. how many articles, all of that kind of stuff, nuts and bolts. So, um, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the process is pretty simple. We've got people who are researchers who are reading the scientific papers one by one. We've got people who are editors slash reviewers. These are guys who've got 10 plus years of experience. Um, and then we've got the copy editors who clean up the language. Uh, and then we've got like a few guys or, or a few people who then send out the emails and whatnot. So the entire process is basically we are very mm, hands off in terms of editorial uh, calendar or this is what everyone's talking about. We should talk about weight loss, let's say, in January or whatever, or, you know, libido for Valentine's Day. So basically what it is is the research go researchers go, hey, this study came out. We think it's interesting. We're going to cover it. So they analyze it. They work with the reviewers to figure it out. One of the things is because research can be so esoteric and the breadth and depth is massive. Uh, we have a lot of contractors. So we have maybe like 30, 40 contractors that we need. So for example, let's say we're writing about St. John's warts, which is a wart, sorry, which is a supplement. Uh, it has interactions in the brain. So we have a PharmD, which is a doctorate in pharmacy, who specializes in psychiatric medicine, who we then go to and say, hey, listen, you know, what will this impact in the brain? Because that's his specialty. So there's a lot of subject matter experts that we have available to us. Um, but those guys hash it out. It then goes to the copy editors. They just clean up the language and they work with the reviewers to make sure that the original gist is still there. Uh, and then we push it out. And the best part of it is I have literally no, like I'm not really connected with examine.com anymore, but I have literally no idea what's coming out until it actually sent out an email. And I receive an email and go, oh, wow, like today we talked about brown fat and temperature control. Giddy up. Why not? Got it. Cool, man. I'm going to start to transition away from examine. But one, one more question, actually two more questions here. How did you guys go about finding these contractors? I'll say for like for me to find great writers, you know, for great marketing writers, sometimes I just mm -hmm. go to pro blogger. Yeah, for sure. Uh, dude, honestly, uh, you just look for other people who are doing work but are anonymous and nobody ever knows about them. Uh, like I was talking to a friend uh, earlier this week and he was talking about how is he going to find uh, great people to do outreach. And his his solution was to go find people who have podcasts that have very low traffic but have done maybe 100 plus podcasts. Because there are people who are used to doing cold outreach and stuff like that. So for us, there's so many people out there that are analyzing nutrition research, but they've got maybe 100 visitors a day. They're essentially nobodies. To, to sound like a jerk, they, they don't have that much of an audience. So we come by and we say, hey, listen, you know, you've got your body of work. We like what you're doing. This is what we do. Come join us. And again, once you reach that size, right, people want to be associated with your brand. I mean, the guy who runs examine.com, right? He's a double MBA MPH, which is a public health uh, master's. And he was doing his PhD in nutrition when we picked him up. And it's one of those great things where he knows 
he'll never get as big of an audience on his own as he would with us. And we know we'll never get as kick ass as a person to run it as him, right? So it's we basically look for people who are already doing it. They just don't have an audience. And we say, hey, man, we can like 100x your audience. Um, and most people are pretty happy with that idea. I love it. That's so smart. All right. So why did the decision to start to move away from Examine? And yeah, I'll start with that first. Sure. So I've always been very background, right? I've been around now since 1999, 18 years. Pretty much nobody had any clue who I was other than, you know, select few people. Uh, and so everything, every time what I've done is I got an examine.com because I was losing weight. So I was really interested in the scene. So I was happy to get it started, but I'm not the expert, right? Like I may know more than most people now just because of all the people I hang around with, but I'm still not the expert, right? So for example, Kamal that I mentioned who runs examine.com, the other day or he was on the vitamin D task force, the, which is uh, what updated the recommendation from 400 to 1,000 IUs. But the other day we were chatting and he's like, do you know why it's called vitamin K? And I was like, dude, I have no clue. He's like, because it's actually a coagulant, but it was found by Germans and they spend coagulant with K, thus it became vitamin K. And I'm like, this is the most nerdy stuff I've ever heard. Like, why? Like, I wouldn't, like, in a way it's hilarious to me, but because I'm not that deep in it, I would never know that stuff, right? So to me, it's always, man, I'm going to find the best people. I'm going to give them the opportunity to kick ass and take names uh, and then go from there. So that's that's kind of how I operate. And that was the reason why I moved on from examine.com. I move on from every single project because I find people much better than me. Uh, and most people give lip service to that, you know, hire people smarter than you. But they usually end up keeping the brand name under themselves or it's all about them. Uh, I feel like even if you go to our about page, I think I'm the seventh person listed there. And I'm down as director of strategy. You have no idea who I am in the big picture. And and I kind of like it that way. Cool, man. And so Kamal is your co-founder? No. So my, Kamal is actually not my co-founder. So Curtis is my co-founder. And when we actually started, the relationship was, listen, Curtis, all you do is the research and I'm going to take care of everything else, be it web design, web hosting, customer service, everything else, even editing at the time, I'll deal with it. And it was a great, it was a great relation or it is a great relationship for him because he gets to focus on what he does best. And then eventually I hired Kamal in because Kamal had a, a larger uh, view of it. So Curtis still is there plugging away at research. He's so happy. He has nothing to worry about. He doesn't have to worry about emails or anything like that. He just does research. Whereas Kamal gets more of the bigger picture, so he becomes in charge. And man, I got to be honest, Kamal had been running examine.com for two years before I even met him. Like we'd Skype maybe a few times. But to me, it's also, man, if you're doing your work, I don't care how you're doing it. I don't care when you're doing it. I don't even care if you outsource it. As long as the quality of the work is good and shit's getting done, man, giddy up, let's do this. Yeah, you know, my, my thing is, you know, hiring someone, uh, hiring operational people or GM kind of people to groom them up and, and, and take over. So, you know, for you, how do you do it? Do you give them a percentage profit sharing? How does it work exactly to incentivize them? So uh, the, the two biggest things I do is I pay them more than I pay myself. So they know that I'm serious in, in regards to them being the man or the woman. And again, I make them the face of the company. So everyone who joins examine.com, who joins on the list, reads anything that we've written or follows us on social media, they think Kamal is the man. And Kamal is the man, but they think that Kamal's the owner. So he's got that thing where, you know, and so let's say the largest um, training organization in the, in the U.S. is NSCA, exercise one. He gets invited to speak there every year. And ASM is the second biggest. He gets invited to speak there every year. So that kind of exposure, he gets everywhere in the nutrition and fitness world, men's health, men's fitness, all of them. And that's kind of what motivates them. And they know that even in the background, anytime someone asks me to do a podcast or interview or anything that's fitness related or nutrition related, I always push them to come on and call. So they know that I've got their back and that really, really is great for uh, loyalty because everyone wins that way. 
Awesome. All right. So what's next for you? What are you working on right now? So, like I said, for the last 18 months, I've been talking about entrepreneurship. Last year, I did a lot of public speaking because I thought that was interesting. This year, I'm, I'm writing twice a month, which to me is an exhausting uh, output and volume. Uh, honestly, man, to me, a, a lot of this stuff is uh, eventually you start transitioning into less about necessarily about money, but more about impact, right? Like, how do your words make a difference? Um, and so for me, a lot of kind of what I think about these days is, how do we connect or so if you talk, if you talk about philanthropy and this is almost like totally different, but if you talk about philanthropy for most entrepreneurs, philanthropy is I'm going to sell my business for $50 million and I'm going to write a check for a million dollars or cut one for a hundred thousand dollars, blah, blah, blah. But there's so many entrepreneurs that are doing well enough that they can easily donate a thousand bucks a month or $5,000 a year and not even blink, right? That it will have literally no material impact on them. So then the question becomes, how do you get that into their mindset? It's not that they don't want to, uh, donate. It's not that they don't care. It's in their mind. It's the lowest, lowest priority. So a lot of what I'm thinking about right now is like, how do we intersect social enterprise and charitable works with successful entrepreneurship uh, and also integrate that into a win-win for everybody, like especially in the local scene and all that kind of stuff. So that's just kind of what's bubbling around in my head. Um, you know, for example, it's very trendy and vogue these days to do entrepreneur dinners. So why not charge everyone an extra hundred bucks that's doing the dinner and just give it all to charity? Like simple little things where if you're going out for a really nice meal that's a hundred bucks and now you suddenly bumped up to 200, it's a business expense. You're hanging out with amazing people. You're going to learn so much. You're going to get so much more back than your $200. Why not? So that's kind of what I'm really trying to push is how do we make an impact and then how do we make an impact that's in a very positive manner instead of just a me, 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 me kind of uh, approach. Love it. And you've been doing, you know, more speaking at these conferences too. Can you talk about these conferences and what you do there exactly? Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting mix. So on the fitness side uh, or on the health side, you know, I talk a lot about entrepreneurship, right? Email marketing, what makes things uh, click, what makes things work, how I operate my oper uh, businesses. Uh, in the more business related conferences or events, I talk often about, you know, why we bootstrapped or what are the lessons I've learned. Uh, and then the other kind of newer thing is like these more intimate uh, events. So let's say Mastermind Talks, 150 people, Baby Bathwater, these kind of organizations. Usually they get anywhere from 50 to 100, 150 people. So the nice thing about these is there's a lot of curating going on, a lot of vetting going on. So, for example, Mastermind Talks, uh, Jason Ginyard, he he approves less than 1% of the applicants to come. And this is for an event that costs $10,000 to attend. It's not like it's a cheap amount. So. The nice thing about these is you know right when you're going in that you're meeting other boss level people. And thus the conversations you have are at such a higher level about, you know, how do we extract the most value, especially when you're getting millions of visitors a, a month, right? The game changes, right? Each 1% adds up really, really fast. Um, so I've been enjoying those, but the, the latest thing that's starting to happen a lot with entrepreneurs is like really, really little private invite-only events in which you just gather 10 people, you go to some, you know, you can go to an island, you can go to do an adventure trip with them, spend four or five days. I was just talking to someone who invited me on a yacht trip for a week. You just hang out with like eight to 10 people, maybe 12 people, and you really get to go deep. And the awesomeness with that, especially for someone like me is, you know, I'm not here to maximize every single dime I can make. It's more about what kind of interesting humans can I meet and where can we go from there? So my favorite example is I met this guy um, and I was telling him like, yeah, man, you know, he's in Toronto. Like, yeah, I really want to get my pilot's license. And he says, hey, man, I've got a plane. I don't get the minimum number of mileage I need every year on my engine. You can use my plane for free. Just pay for the gas and the instructor OPS. I know a great instructor. And I'm like, giddy up. This is the life. 
So a lot of interesting doors open out of that, especially when you're not necessarily just chasing the next joint venture or or where the hell else that you know will just monetize for you. Cool, man. Yeah. That's awesome. And so what what are some conferences that you'd recommend to some people in the audience? Ooh. This is can I even like even take a mulligan on this? Because I know if I forget one of my friends, they're gonna send me an angry email or letter and say, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, it, it depends on each industry. My favorite way of doing it is is talking to people I know who are ballers and just be like, hey man, what's the next event you're going to? In fact, if you just tweet out, most people will answer that question and inevitably you'll find the most random, interesting events that you would never ever uh, consider. That's exactly that. what I did. I mean, I basically, I emailed Noah, right? I was like, okay, what events are you going to? What are must-haves? And he's like, okay, go check out these. And then that's how I ended up getting connected with you because I was looking into one of the conferences that he mentioned. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So Noah and I both spoke at uh, uh, 212 last year. So it, it's just this kind of stuff, right? Where Asking people for recommendations, I find, is far more fruitful, especially people that you respect or follow, um, because they're usually connected to someone who's, if they're not going, someone else that they like is going. Love yeah. it. Okay, cool. What's one big change you made in the last year that's impacted either you or your business in a big way? I've always been pretty calendar-oriented, uh, but my buddies who created the 5-Minute Journal, uh, they created something called the Productivity Planner. And it's really simple. It's basically, you know, these are my five tasks for the day and you do it at the end of, or you can do it at the beginning of the week or at the end of the week, whatever you want. And so the way I've structured my Fridays is basically, I don't work on Fridays, I just meet with people um, or I read and write. So at the end of Friday, basically I sum up my entire week and then I figure out what do I need to do next week. And basically when I sit down on Monday, cause I, I refuse to do any kind of works, uh, work on weekends. Uh, when I sit down on Monday, I know exactly what are my main tasks for the week. At which point now your brain space is free, right? The more you're stressing out, the more things you have to juggle in your brain, the more exhausting I find personally, especially creativity wise. So that's been a huge, huge boon for me. Is this, I'm looking at Amazon right now. Is it 25 bucks? Uh, I think so. It should be like a, a black book with like gold uh, lettering or white lettering. You can find it at uh, intelligentchange.com. I know they sell it directly. That's what, you know, I, I've been using the five minute journal for like, I don't know, three years now. And it's just awesome. so smart because I just keep, it's like recurring revenue for them, right? So it just, it's great for them. So actually one of the, one of the best uses I found for the five minute journal was uh, actually through Alex. Uh, so UJ and Alex are the two co-founders. Um, and what they, what Alex and Mimi do, his wife, is they actually share their five minute journal at the end of each night. And I find it's a great way for me to connect with uh, my woman where, you know, she's been busy or I've been busy. We've been running around, blah, blah, blah. Even when we travel, we just take uh, with one of us traveling, we just take pictures of it and we send it to each other. But it's a great, great way to be like, oh, this is what the person was interested in for the day or looking forward to it. This is what they were able to do. This is what they really enjoy. Awesome. So that's my one random recommendation for five minutes. Journal. It's great, great for uh, when you're in a relationship. That's huge. All right. And so we were talking before we even, uh, before the podcast even began about right. a book. So what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? So, uh, you know what, I'm going to do my little mini rant again. I don't get these, these articles, these listicles of like 42 business books you got to read. I cannot fathom what you'll learn from book number nine that you'll learn from book that you haven't learned in the first eight books, much less what, what the hell is book number 41 going to have that you haven't learned in 40 damn business books. So, uh, my favorite kind of books are biographies. And in general, I find great comedians have great biographies. So uh, George Collin is a great one. Steve Martin. I don't know if you've heard of uh, the book So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. It's actually a quote by Steve Martin. Be so good they can't ignore you. But if there's one I would like to recommend, it's called The Power Broker. It's uh, by a dude named Robert A. Carroll. It's about uh, a man named Robert Moses, who was arguably the most influential and powerful man in New York City in the last hundred years. Like FDR tried to get when he was governor of New York, he tried to get him fired. He failed. 
all the bridges, all the tunnels, the subway system, the parks, the pools, all the beaches around Niagara Dam, they were all built because of this one guy. And what's fascinating about him was that he never cared for money. He was only, only, only chasing power. And so he died pretty broke, uh, but he had amassed this huge network. So it's just fascinating about this one man's drive for it uh, and the relentless nature that he uh, pursued to get to it. Love it. Okay. And what's one, let's say, blog or podcast that you tune into every day? So one blog actually that I find, uh, so I, I like blogs that you know make me think. Uh, and if I can pop out two, uh, one of them would be Farnham Street. Uh, it's run by my buddy Shane Parrish. And about two to three times a week, he basically analyzes a big topic or a big idea from a variety of books that he reads. Uh, one of his favorite guys to uh, cover is uh, Mr. Munger, who's Warren Buffett's right-hand man. Uh, I find if you want to talk about like efficiency or optimization, that's a great site to read. The other one I'd love to recommend or I'd love to recommend is Ribbon Farm. So Ribbon Farm is basically started by this dude, Venkatesh Rao, about I think five or six years ago. And basically people pop in with their essays on the most random topics. And it's one of those things where you have no idea what you're about to read and it goes into an absurd amount of depth, but it's fascinating. So like one of the recent articles was on strategy. And, and to me, this one little idea was, was this genesis was fantastic. So we talked about, you know, Big Blue defeated humans at chess. And then everyone was like, oh, Go is going to be the next thing. And then Big Blue or Watson, whatever, was able to defeat uh, humans at Go. Right. And so now it's defeated us at all these all these things. But the guy was saying, like, you know what? Those games are nothing compared to something like StarCraft. Right. Because you take your one turn at a time. StarCraft, you're doing 100 different things at a time. That's real. And he was talking about in the, in the picture of strategy, right? He's like, that's real strategy. And one of the things they found out was the smartest strategy was not to try to predict what the other person is going to do, but to do random uh, events that they may do and then build your strategy based on that. And then eventually you get your greatest strategy. So it's this fascinating different view of instead of trying to think your opponent's a genius or is going to do the smartest thing, you just figure out what are all the things they can do and let me go with the one that works the best. So that was one. Um, but even someone like um, Taylor Pearson, who writes some really fascinating essays, he is the last person to post on Ribbon Farm, which I think was today or yesterday. So Ribbon Farm is one of my favorite sites because you have no idea what you're going to read next. Uh, but it always, always is some interesting long form uh, stuff that's going to inspire creativity inside you. Incredible. I think we could go on forever, Saul, but uh, in, in the interest of time, I'll probably have to have you on again. But uh, what's the best sure. way for people to find you online? You can find me at sjo.com. That will then link to my Facebook and Twitter. I'm relatively easy to contact as long as you're not an insufferable human being. I am more than happy to uh, connect and talk with interesting people. All right. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure, my man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.